Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with ECS DNA Kit by Endo Canna Health. I did this years ago and it continues to empower me to get nerdy with my cannabis choices, which you know I like. If you've watched our Cannabis Legalization News podcast, did you know that right now you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com? That's E-N-D-O-D-N-A.com and use promo code POD25. That is P-O-D, the number two, the number five. Your purchase includes the EndoDNA Collection Kit. Endo Decoded Report, Personalized Cannabinoid and Terpene Suggestion, Endo Aligned Product Matching in Your State, Suggested Dosage Guidelines, and Optimum Methods of Administration. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a BOGO offer on their Afeca Soft Gels lineup. Since so many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afeca Unwind created to support healthy sleep cycles using a patented proprietary formula of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are made of this. So buy one, get one, my friend. You can shop online at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at checkout to save 25% on your DNA test kit. Hey, music lovers. The Cannamom Show podcast, in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars, is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at LampkinGuitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N Guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N-Guitars.com Hey. Hey. Uh, what's going on? Hi. Uh, really big show. Really big. Did you hear the news that happened this week? That's good, because we have it for you. Uh, it, it happened. And it, what does it mean? What does Schedule 3 weed mean? You've tuned into the right place. This is Cannabis Legalization News. My name's Tom. You can find me over at CannabisIndustryLawyer.com. This week, we have more than just uh, me throwing pens at you. But I will throw some more pens at you. I have like two left. Uh, okay, so we're going to talk about the biggest thing ever, and then social equity portals have opened in Maryland. There was also a lottery, a really quick one that happened in Missouri, won another license. Uh, we have a lot of information about what that Schedule 3 um, change is going to mean for the industry. And then I have a lot of news from last week because we were discussing a lot of New York. So stuff on Alabama, stuff more in Maryland, pot stocks. We're talking about pot stocks. We have some international news. Uh, a stupid GOP congressman from North Carolina did something on Friday. Uh, something out of Colorado. And we have a name that strain. So thank you for tuning in. And it is Cannabis Legalization News. Let's start. 
Joining us today is Josh Kincaid, host of the Talking Heads. Thanks for coming on and filling in while Miggy is off. I got you. I'm here. Awesome. Hey, did you hear any news in cannabis this week at all? No, man. It was uh, There was no news at all. It was silent. All right. Well, I guess we'll just pull up a random article then. Biggest thing ever uh, reported out of MJ Biz Daily. Biggest thing ever, marijuana rescheduling recommendation hailed it by um, the uh, industry, at least. The disclosure that widened, uh, on Wednesday that the Biden administration health officials are going to recommend marijuana be classified, reclassified, that is, from Schedule 1 down to Schedule 3, the same one as Tylenol with codeine, was hailed as the biggest development in MJ policy in more than 50 years. This sent marijuana stocks way up. Um, on that day, they were up like 20% uh, for the week. I think they were up like 60 or 70%, you know? Yeah, a lot of them just kind of all pop with the news. Uh, unfortunately, they don't really move independently, but it's a, it's a good boost nonetheless for uh, for all of them to get that kind of news and notoriety and hopefully some investor interest, all that good stuff. Investor interest would be great. You know, Miggy and I won a dispensary uh, last month, and so we're going to have to get an investor to get ours operational. Uh, it should be easier now because the audit risk should go away as IRC 280E does not apply to Schedule 3 trafficking, which is nice. So if you're trafficking in steroids, you can deduct the cost of rent. Also <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think the one downside, though, like I think it's all good, but I think there's so much interpretation to a three. Like if you look at uh, methadone, for example, you don't really see a lot of people just dealing out methadone. So unfortunately, worst case scenario, is you have really low um, edibles or whatever else available. And then anything after that has to be uh, prescribed by a doctor. You got to go into pharmacy and go get that. Um, so it, it could limit the the cultivars or strains that's available. All of those things could could be impacted. I mean, for example, in Washington, there's we started out with like 1500 licenses. There's less than 500 now. And of those, there's about three dozen that have never been popped for um violations so That's you think yeah yeah so you just think about that and how much more strict it's going to be under those kind of schedule three rules i don't know how many people are going to be able to handle that so on i mean it's good news but i think it's going to wipe out most people uh, it could be interesting. And so that's, uh, we've already started the rumblings directed directly at Merrick Garland. I, I should tag some other, I, I'm I'm a lawyer, but I am in like the middle of nowhere. And so like, I'm not in New York or I'm not in Chicago or like LA uh, or Washington DC where the lawyer who got quoted in this MJ Biz article is. So that's Shane Pennington, a partner at the DC firm Porter Wright. He says it's historic. It's the biggest thing that's happened in cannabis reform at the federal level ever, um, which, you know, again, not entirely true, but, uh, you know, cannabis legalization reform, you know, the, the biggest thing that ever happened was it was made illegal in 1937 and then it was made illegal again in 1970. And this is like the first thing that's ever happened that uh, will actually walk back the federal policy of complete prohibition. But yes, that's that's interesting that now it's being rescheduled. And so all of these problems with compliance, because not any other can not any other schedule three legitimate business operates like the cannabis industry in its current incantation is like 
they're just operating in compliance with state law and openly and notoriously violating federal law, like not even complying. And that creates a litany of crimes. We'll revisit this later. Like right now, I wanted to move into Maryland because Maryland had some stuff that came out on Friday and we're, we're helping Maryland and helping people apply in Maryland, which first, this is the first step in Maryland. The social equity portal verifies the first round of eligibility for cannabis business licenses. Maryland has mostly um, self-dealt. They've only published zip codes and other information for its own state. But then they say, this is how we found that. You, in theory, can find it in your state, but good luck proving it. So it's just, it may create a lawsuit later. Uh, so this portal is open for 60 days from September 8th through November 7th. You need to qualify yourself in Maryland before being able to actually get entered in the lottery. Um, completely different than what Miggy and I had to go through in Illinois. Yeah. Well, here's a stupid fact for you. Maryland has the highest concentration of millionaires in the country and also the Connecticut or is that billionaires? That might be hedge funds. There's a lot of hedge funds out there, but uh, a lot of the retired uh, government officials live out in Maryland, really close to D.C. So I don't know, put two and two together. Maybe they're one of the same. Yep. Uh, Annapolis. They have a lot of wealth there. Uh, you go down to Baltimore. Not so much. You know, there's some wealth in Baltimore, but then there is some real abject poverty. I'm assuming some of those zip codes that are uh, social equity in Maryland should be in those abject poverty areas, but they define it as 150% of the cannabis arrests. So interestingly enough, exactly how Missouri defines it. So if you were social equity in Missouri by zip code because of the cannabis arrest, you would be a qual uh, you know, qualified as well in Maryland. So go through that portal of eligibility and uh, let's roll the dice in Maryland. It's a much more expensive roll of the dice. Missouri was $1,500 refundable if you don't win. Maryland is five large, non-refundable. Shouldn't they be in theory rolling those out first before everybody else? Seems like they're kind of rolling now. They're like, oh yeah, afterthought. Let's roll out the social equity after after the fact. Uh, the social equity in Maryland is actually on its second bite of the apple. And so social equity went uh, even in medical. So Maryland had a medical round when COVID kind of hit uh, that was social equity based and zero have launched. A 100% failure to launch. So now they have this large social equity fund and that is going first to those uh, licenses that have not launched. And then hopefully there's some money left over for these social equity applicants that are gonna be applying because they're making funds available for them. Don't hold your breath. I would still go raise money or like get a good real estate investment trust to help you develop the real estate as that is the most expensive piece of crap that you have to do in the whole thing, you know, real estate. Uh, yeah. And with that, I think we can move on to the next story. Now, you know, again, uh, I just want to plug Maryland a little bit more. If you do want some help flying in Maryland, head on over to CannabisIndustryLawyer.com and fill out our type form on that website. That will allow us to follow up with you and be like, you know, you have to do social equity, right? Oh, that's right. I have, we launched this new website to try to catch social equity applicants and get them signed up and so i guess we can kind of cover that a little bit or we can cover it you know after 420 somewhere uh, it's called socialequityincubator.com and of course it will have one of these things for your one yes and then the socialequityincubator.com 
leads to another form where you could fill it out. But it's Missouri, Illinois, and Maryland. They are all having social equity um, lotteries for a while. So Maryland's is up next. Illinois is summer. Missouri it just hit, but they're going to hit again in 24 and in 25. And Illinois still has over 140 dispensaries to give out. So there's more licenses uh, for social equity lotteries all over the country. And I think, what do you think? Do you think social equity lotteries are like the future of how they're going to apportion many of these licenses, especially when it's adult youth wreck? Definitely. And I, I think it should be the first thing now that any new state that rolls out, it would be, I mean, they have no choice. There's no ignorance about it, right? Everyone, there's been all these states, they've been doing awesome. it. So any new rollouts should automatically have those first. Well, not only that, but then like when they do merit-based, and so Illinois was a classic example of a pivot during the application process four years ago in 19. So I had to write this application, like a phone book, 350 pages to be completely complete and like beat out other people because they said it's going to be merit-based. And Illinois is getting thousands of applications during the process. And they're like, oh crap, everybody's going to be tied. We're going to have to have a lottery. And so they moved into a lottery during the application period and they still got sued. So like limited licenses and merit-based, pure recipe for litigation. Uh, you know, for example, we could talk and we will be talking here about what who Verano sued, what state Verano sued later. But um, what know, about with home grows? Because I don't know of any Schedule 3 that you can make from home. And well, so there's some, question, there's some questions in the in the. Um, uh in the comment section about what about home grow and then they're also asking about drug tests i think drug tests are, are going to go away at the state and federal level right away but home grow yeah. is interesting though because you can't grow tobacco like good luck finding tobacco seeds anywhere even though it's legal can't find them you're not gonna find a cutting elite nothing like that so i, I don't know what's going to happen to home grow uh yeah neither do i but it's built in state law and so the states, first you would need a federal regulation to stop it. And then the states would need incentivization to get in compliance with those federal regulations like they do with like highway funds and whatnot. And, and those federal regulations that are going to be coming forward, um, they will take years, years to, to do those. So like home grow, I'm not sure, but schedule three means that we have federal medical marijuana policy now, like marijuana is medicine, according to the United States. It's never been the case before. And so uh, that is fascinating, which means will your medical cannabis purchases be covered by insurance? Uh, how long is that going to take? I think that's going to take until the regulations are written. And that might be five years because we're still waiting on those hemp regs. Well, not all of the hemp regs. The USDA did, but that was the easy job, like getting compliance with farming the hemp. And that still took like years. It took like three years to get that one done. And then the FDA has not regulated squat when it comes to CBD or, or other edibles. And so even if they change the definition of hemp in this year's farm bill to be total THC and shut down a lot of the chicanery that's going on out there, it's unlicensed. Edibles would still fly right under the radar on that level, you know? Mm -hmm. So we'll see on that. Hmm. Yeah. Back to the main story. Uh, it is what you can follow me on. It's called LinkedIn. And so uh, LinkedIn is where I'm just going to be publishing like a little blog a week until we get this uh, dispensary open in Illinois, kind of chronologuing the uh, the opening of a dispensary. So later on, maybe we can turn it into a podcast or repackage it as a book or something. 
And, and this one, I was just um, thinking really about what does schedule three mean? And so when uh, that happened on Wednesday, everybody immediately became a lawyer and said they knew it was going to happen. And they started making all these predictions, which is funny. But uh, uh, Bill, what's this guy's name? Bill, Bill Levers over at Beer Bros. Uh, so he published just a picture of Section 823 of the Controlled Substances Act that says one of the crimes. And so after you're a Schedule Three manufacturer, grower, or distributor, retailer, uh, you need to be registered with the Attorney General. Now that Attorney General. That technically means the DEA because the DEA is in the Justice Department. And so the attorney general is technically their boss. Um, and that's why they put attorney general in there. And now uh, the attorney general shall register uh, an applicant to manufacture controlled substances in Schedule 3 unless he determines the issuance of such registration is inconsistent with the public interest. In determining the public interest, the following factors shall be considered. Uh, this is really what I think the Garland memo should be coming in the future. And so if you don't know what the Garland memo is, that's fine. It doesn't exist yet, but uh, it's predicated off the Ogden memo or the Cole memo from the Obama administration, whereas their uh, attorney general, uh, wrote a memorandum regarding uh, federal enforcement policy directed at the DEA and also the Justice Department for their prosecutorial wings uh, as to what they're supposed to be doing. They could do the same thing because like if DEA reschedules and it changes it to three, it triggers a rulemaking process, which could take well into the next, well past 2024, into the next administration if you know, the Democrats don't win. And so that could really be bad for the industry if, uh, granted, they've all been operating out of compliance with federal law, but those crimes are still there because they aren't registered. And so as a result, it's all this specified unlawful activity under the Controlled Substances Act, so it still may be difficult to get banked. You wouldn't be able to get listed on the stock market. Uh, all those types of problems. But if they exempt you and they say, hey, um, as a federal policy under the Garland memo in the future, we don't need you to be registered with the uh, DEA because, and then it's uh, controls against diversion, all right? Because your state is doing the conversion control. And it's number two is compliance with the applicable state and local law. Uh, local law, uh, Washington state, Illinois is not like this, but uh, California, New Jersey, Michigan, maybe one day New York, if they ever get their act together. They're dual licensing states. And so you have a license from both the state and also the locale uh, government. Uh, and then such other factors that may be relevant and consistent with public health and safety. So what we're asking, and we need to get this a little bit better, uh, but we're asking uh, the attorney general to exempt the industry. If you have a license from a state, that should be enough and say that you don't have to register with the DEA until the rules are finalized, something like that. Kick the football down, open the doors up and say, no, that's not specified unlawful activity anymore. They don't need to register. I determined that. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. I really hope it does though. It's like what shake you're talking about, man. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes it all depends on what the motive and intent is. Like, who's who's pushing the bill? Who, what's out there? Is it going to destroy the competition or not? Um, 
I don't know. My biggest concern is that Amazon is going to be one of the biggest retailers out there. They're going to get some kind of pharmaceutical delivery and be the biggest game on the planet. But then what does that do Not to your options? If, yeah. And so that's that's why you get this exemption from the state license. Amazon doesn't have a state license. There's no licensing process. And so uh, if, if they could gum up the method for getting a licensing process at the, at the federal level while allowing compliance for everybody who has one at the state level, if I was Cresco or GTI or uh, True Leaf, and God willing, one day I will be, not True Leaf though, Russians. <laughs> you know, I would be, I would be thankful that I hadn't paid the IRC 280e tax yet. But then also starting to lobby pretty hard Democrats because the other side just doesn't seem to care uh, that you need to allow this industry to operate above board. And that's going to be more checks for you, Mr. Democrat, uh, if you help us out here. But um, yeah, we'll find out. Yeah, I hope I'm wrong, but I think it's going to destroy the majority of the industry. Boy, I hope you're wrong, too. Like that's that's one of the things where if all these regulations would have to be done. And that takes that cannabis speed or cannabis time. That's slow. But regular federal regulation speed is real Yeah, my theory will be correct if you start seeing licenses being liquidated left and right, like they want to get out because they know if big pharma is coming in, it's going to screw everybody else. I hope I hope I'm wrong. Who's giving big pharma the license? There's no oh. methodology to have a state, a federal Lo lobbyists. It's like follow the money, man. It's just lobbyists. It's lobbyists. money. Well, then they're going to have to move at regulation speed to be able to get that policy in place because it ain't it just don't exist right now. And then if they're if if that's where um, and the industry won't tolerate that. And so, like, if it's just going to be a big land grab, because like with with pharmaceuticals, you know, the cannabis industry didn't really exist when they made it illegal in 1937. It didn't. You know, it was illegal in every single state. Now the cannabis industry exists. And so it'd be like, you know, you, we don't think about like um, their pharmaceuticals or Eli Lilly coming in to corner the alcohol market. You know, so I just don't, I mean, no, no one buys, them. no one buys uh, cigarettes out of trunks or, you know, like bootleg gin or anything like that. But I think it will thrive the illicit cannabis market if it goes straight to big pharma, because a lot of people aren't going to put up with that. Oh, no, they aren't. And so, uh, hey, speaking of, it is 20 past the hour, which means that it's 420 somewhere. And uh, I'm also going to give a shout out to somebody who used to say it was five o'clock somewhere. I'm wearing a Jimmy Buffett shirt from a, a concert that I went to in 1996. You believe that noise? I'll tell you no. what. All right. Well, smoke them if you got it. Somebody just said, I buy bootleg cigs. That's awesome. <laughs> well, the cigarettes is an interesting case. This is why. Because if you take that package of cigarettes, except for the bootleg ones, don't, don't look at that. And you flip it over. Uh, there's going to be a tax stamp on the bottom of it, which I believe is done at the state level to make sure that you have paid the state cigarette tax on that. So even with interstate commerce, like if I'm going to start stocking my shelves with good weed from Humboldt, or Oklahoma, try to like do like a, an, an arbitrage thing, you know, right? You know, not have to, because like I was looking at Uncle Ike's, I was trying to get a name that strain from Washington State. 
and then I didn't. I got a name match train from somewhere else. But um, the prices in Washington State retail are our wholesale prices in Oregon. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I just picked this one up for $48. It's outdoor, organic, pesticide-free. It's not pretty. It's maybe, it's definitely less than 20%. It's probably 17%. Great for a daytime high. Awesome sativa, my go-to. Um, they have ones for $30 retail, which means wholesale, those are 10 bucks tops. <laughs> per ounce. 10 bucks an ounce. Yeah. That's wicked. But they 30, said all day, all, every day, like no sale all day long. You got to go to specific, you know, um, everyday low price stores. It's called Zips. It's a discount store. Zips. So like an ounce, but like, you know, also meaning quick, right? Yeah. I mean, it's all about price and convenience, right? My The one that I used to go to right next to my house, it's really hard to, they don't, they no longer carry the vape brand I like. Uh, mm -hmm. The edibles are hard. Like once they come in, they sell out. And in that particular brand I just told you about, when they drop, they're out five days, sold out, boom. And then the buyer waits three more weeks on his monthly rotation to buy it. And then that makes me irritated. So I'm like, screw it. I'm going to drive 20 minutes. I know it's there. I'm going to go get it. Uh, and so I, yeah, price and convenience, man. I want to know that I can get it cheap when I want it. And, um, so I, I pass probably a dozen stores and drive 20 minutes instead of two to the, to my local one. Cause they can't figure out inventory. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to remember that when we're uh, running the shop down and wherever we open it. So tune in for more of those things. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, we got news out of Missouri. Uh, you know, congratulations to the people who won. We were lucky enough to uh, put together a, an incubator and uh, win. Uh, and so, you know, a client of ours is, is happy. And that's that's kind of how it works. Like when it is these social equity lotteries, there were 1,600 applications for 48 licenses. Now it gets worse than that because there was actually over a thousand for just 16 licenses because that's how many people applied for a dispensary. So a thousand chasing 16 and then the the grows, they were much better odds, 500 chasing 32. So you can do the math and if you want our help doing the math, you know, you can find us. But um, it's one of those deals where 16 licenses, a thousand people apply. There must be a cash flow. Otherwise, why would somebody work that hard to get this stuff, you know? Right. Yep. And then uh, they're doing another round next year as well. So Missouri is going to do three of them. And so this was 2023. They got 24. They got 25. I will be interested to see if there's another thousand chasing 16 licenses, another 500 chasing 32 next year. But um, I don't know. We have to kind of wait and see how it turns out. Again, man, it's a, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, man, but that's too many tomato farmers for any one state. Uh, look at Oklahoma. It's just, it's a lot. So all these people getting in because they think they're going to have the the genetics, the fire, the whatever, and it's... You got to try, I guess. I'm not telling people not to, but damn, that's a lot of, there's going to be 800 people that lose a ton of money if a thousand people are applying. 
yes. And so that thousand people were applying for the 16 retail licenses. And then those retailers can only buy from the 32 wholesaler licenses, which if you are a grower and following us at home, that's great. You're freaking awesome, man. Uh, basically, it's a 50 light. And so it is a 50 light operation in Missouri for a micro. Uh, both sides, though, you can both cultivate and process. So, um, you know, it, it it's a wonderful entry. So it's not vertical? It's not a vertical no, license? You can't have all three? Not. Wow. Why would they do something so stupid and follow Washington? That's the dumbest thing ever. Uh, they are trying to create interesting partnerships or contract relationships, I, I must infer, simply because they you can only own one. It's a one and done, too. And so, like, pick a side grow process yeah, yeah. or retail and then you get that micro that's it mm -hmm. end of licensing now you can manage it you can manage as many as you want if you stay within the levels but um you know still at the end of the day it's a 50 light and then it's a dispensary that can only buy from that 50 light and so what are you supposed to do as a dispensary you are going to be waiting as long as it yeah. takes for the supply to come online right you need it today and so like the dispensaries will be open in two, three months. And then the growers might be open in six, 12 months. And then the growers will be ready to ship product another four months after that, best case scenario. Uh, so what is that retailer supposed to do with like a lease and rent and all that stuff for 18 months? And it's gonna be expensive because it's all indoor because in theory, you weren't supposed to grow before. So if you have a seed to sale tracking and you're not supposed to plant until you get your license, that means there will be no outdoor harvest for that bottom shelf. You can't, you can't buy anybody else's wheat. So like you can't stock your shelves with all the people that are out there right now trying to move their product. Mm -hmm. So that retailer can't call up Amaze Cannabis, you know, shout out to them in in uh call sorry missouri and and stock their shelves they have to wait until this new start with their their you know 250 plants as a micro gets going and has something for them to sell so like dude I mean, yeah, i'm not even exactly. i'm gonna like identify real estate and then just watch it like after i win and be like okay yeah no no we're not ready yet even if we were ready, even we built it and we paid you for the real estate. And so there's no there's no medical that's already existing and they can't just roll that over because at least we had that in Washington where there wasn't this this screwed up situation where a lot of these new emerging markets would just say, hey, here we're open. And then there's absolutely zero product to, to be sold because there's nothing. They haven't grown anything yet. So why, why, the, why the backwards format? It's a dual license. And so like you are able to sell both medical and adult use. But the trick is you as a micro, the type of license that you were just awarded is a micro. And so a micro can only buy from a micro. And so that's the weird thing that they kind of built into the system uh, that you are going to be able to only get one of these two new types of licenses and you must create an ecosystem of purchasing. So there's gonna be interesting contractual relationships in like three or four years or they're going to change the law and allow the micros to buy from the macros. Yeah, there's still going to be a massive bottleneck and shortage, unfortunately, like every other time, because that's a stupid, stupid way to roll it out. Hey, it is Missouri. Speaking of something that's not Missouri, federal policy, this might come to change here soon, especially if the Garland memo exempts the industry. And so don't forget, we should talk to normal about a petition or something.
Uh, this cannabis retailer has been denied citizenship and she is planning a scoutus appeal. This is out of Cannabis Business Executive. Shout out to Cannabis Business Executive. We have the guy who actually wrote it. And, uh, you know, Tom Himes, I believe, is the, guy, the publisher of this, this periodical. But uh, Reamers is a 45-year-old mother of two with permanent residency, no criminal record, and she applied for naturalization in 17. But in 18, the United States Citizenship and Immigration Services denied her application, finding her co-ownership of a Farrah-based Canarail station made her an illicit trafficker of a controlled substance and so she hired this lawyer alicia moss right there and they are going to appeal this and even revisit the rage case now uh i'm not sure this would be interesting and i don't i don't do a lot of litigation we had some updates in the litigation i do on friday but um this change may allow this person to get their citizenship because it's an illicit you see that's what they said let me just zoom this in we can move around right in there uh, and so that's just a picture of the lawyer. And so it is the an illicit trafficker of a controlled substance. And so this is probably from an, uh, an official denial letter from the uh, the U.S. CIS. And so if this is an illicit trafficker of a controlled substance, if the uh, Garland memo exempts the industry from having to register with the attorney general, the DEA, and they would be in compliance with uh, the federal laws and policies, according to them, you know, pending the, the final rules by DEA, um, that would moot the letter they sent in 2018. And you would have a different litigation strategy and be like, uh, can we just petition for maybe you would prevail that I mean, like, do you just file that in the court and say, look, new law has come to light, which didn't exist at the time. Yeah, try anything you can. In the meantime, thank God they're keeping us safe, though. She looks like a freaking criminal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Because people that uh, own dispensaries are freaking criminals. You know? Yeah, a mother like with a dis partial dispensary owner. I mean, she sounds terrible. Yeah, right. Just, uh, I mean, that's that's terrible. But, uh, you know, she should be ashamed of herself. She mm. should be. All those things. Oh, yes. all of them. And then we're just going to revisit, you know, maybe you don't want to join an incubator. Uh, and you just want to go yourself over in Maryland, which is launched, by the way. Our templates are ready. And so you can get our templates. We'll make a pitch about like, oh, you're eligible. You, you sure you don't want to join our incubator? Uh, here is the link that you can find that. But um, we got the uh, as much as we can drafted. And then they will publish more and then we will revise them. But, you know, we're going to apply in Maryland. Uh, we hope to apply a lot in Maryland and be successful. But uh, they everybody does social equity differently. Gotta love lotteries. Powerball in Washington's at 420 million, folks. Oh shit, buy me some tickets on the way home. 420 million. I took a video of it. I saw 420 flashing at me. I'm like, what? I'm on my way. And then I was like, oh, that's for Powerball. Cool. Powerball, man. Yeah. It, it, I like the the gas stations because like some people actually call their dispensaries that, but also uh, Green Thumb Industries is trying to get a dispensary at a gas station. Wonderful idea. I've seen them before in Michigan. Uh, it was, I can't remember the name of the dispensary, but you know, it used to be an Arby's. Like you've seen like gas stations that have like a fast food franchise in it and it goes belly up. Uh, yeah, they put a dispo in it. And I'm like, that is when I was in. talking to you, um, you know, it was just when I was looking for some investors for your dispensary, I was talking to the guy with cookies who also has the uh, license for Green Thumb. 
and they're they're aggressively looking um there's a place in washington that would open up at gas stations and it was called the gas station um yep. and then he left for california because of the the laws here but yeah, it's, it's kitschy it's good well it's um retail is about sales and so like if you can find out where the mcdonald's the gas stations and the starbucks are in your area you might be on to where you should put the dispensary and that's one of the reasons why working with like REITs is a good thing because these real estate uh, investors want uh, a stable cash flow they want their tenants paying they don't want a default because that'll gum up the cash flows and create the litigation and so like they'll help you scout the, the location mm -hmm. what's hey, it going to do for, for driving uh you can, obviously can't drive impaired but how are they going to know because right now it's a really stupid rule at five nanograms and i'm i'm dui all day long with this stupid thing so how's a federal law going to change that uh well again there is a federal standard for alcohol impairment and that took many decades for that to become the law and when i was younger it was 0.1 now it's down to 0.08 and they used federal highway funds that allows us to get into this next uh, article, which is so bad that I am going to hit one of our bumpers. Well, this was terrible. Uh, uh, this was published on Friday. Uh, a GOP congressman's bill would cut federal funding for states and tribes that legalize marijuana. Shout out to Marijuana Moment. They are the ones reporting on this. Ben Adelin has published it. And uh, legislation introduced on Friday by North Carolina congressman seeks to slash federal funding as well to native uh, tribes who legalize weed. It's the Stop Pot Act, sponsored by U.S. Rep. Chuck Edwards, a Republican from North Carolina, would hold withhold this bill would withhold 10% of federal highway funding to jurisdictions where the purchase or public possession of marijuana for recreational purposes is lawful. That's amazing. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but the NAACP was hired by Coca-Cola to make uh, anyone look racist if they opposed um, federal taxes going towards um, sugary drinks. There was a big push against food stamps and um, and junk food. And so in order to combat that big, you know, big business, uh, Coke and and Pepsi went in and said, oh, well, if you're going to do that, that's racist because people of color, you know, black people like drinking Coke, which which is a stupid argument. But it, but they, they were like, oh, well, we don't want to be like claim we're racist. So, oh, better cut yeah. that. Better not well, that do that. That's a wonderful lobbying dollar right there. It's Why like, would hey, you, you think? pay us to be your political consultant lobby with us? Why would I do that? Just do the same thing. Hire the NAACP and do the same thing and make them sound racist. I mean, as dumb as it sounds, like just play their own game. Look, I'm sure the NAACP has a package, a consulting package, oh, yeah. or contribution level for this. They've done it before. You're saying, uh, yeah, it's it's stamped. There's a a, a copy and, and repeat. Yeah, yeah, I'm not able to do that. I tell you, uh, <laughs> some people can, but the NAACP they can. Hey, uh, let's let's do some more news. Um, and for example, this 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 article was just crap. Uh, and it's, it's, it's just crap, but they do say who's, a, uh, here's the sponsors to it. Two organizations have endorsed this bill so far. And, and if you're with one of these organizations, chances are you are a square. Uh, they are smart approaches to marijuana, AKA Sam and the Christian action league. 
I tell you what, I don't mind if I'm not cohorting with them. <laughs> All right, moving on to that next. Uh, oh, that one was from a while ago. There it is. This is what happens. And so if you've seen the Big Lebowski before, you should. Uh, Walter complains that this is what happens, Larry, when you fuck a stranger in the ass. Um, and, and so the first off, there's going to be pop-up ads. But Cannabis Business Times reported this last week. Verano sues the Alabama regulators over voided licenses. Multi-state operators, one of 21 awardees in a medical cannabis licensing process that is now in question. Rumor is they are going to do another round of licensing down there. But, uh, you know, it's 40 million that they said that we're ready to invest in this state. Patients deserve better than years of litigation and they're ready to invest 40 million. Um, so this is what happens when you do limited market cannabis merit based for your medical program. And Alabama's medical program is what I would call piss poor because it does not allow flour or THC really. So it's just a glorified CBD hemp program that people are fighting tooth and nail for huge grows, just ridiculous size grows, no patience, and like a political will that's just not even there for it. You know, I don't understand why people do these. Well, it sounds like there's two people that might benefit from that. And it sounds like they may have written that bill. Yeah. That's correct. And so that's the other thing that happens is rent seeking behavior from the political insiders. They write the bill to benefit them thinking they're going to make all the money. And then they block everybody else out using this, um, you know, merit based complex application where you have to write like a 700 page instruction manual and show all this cash. Verano's like beating their chest saying, we got $40 million, bro. Dad owns a dealership. And, and he's like, trying to make a big deal of this. But the only thing that happens is the industry does not roll out. Patients are not served. People are not having the industry there when it's like an actual industry. Now, you know, the exact opposite of that would be Oklahoma, but there has to be some type of happy medium somewhere where, and I think Missouri did a great job uh, where they had a regulated and expensive style, but they also did merit-based and they ended up in litigation for two years. So they should really just get rid of merit base and do like what New Jersey's doing uh, for uh, the applications for adult use, where here's the compliance, follow the rules. We need your application. It needs to be complete, 200 pages. Okay, do you have zoning and community approval? Okay, do you have the money to get billed? Well, that's on you. Yeah, that almost sounds like it makes too much sense though. Can you believe that shit came out of New Jersey? <laughs> like the most sensible cannabis bill going on pretty much except for michigan michigan's done a great job too in my opinion but you know. uh, yeah i've seen i've seen some good stuff out of new jersey like um i think my favorite was uh the cannabis lounge bill where they just erased the clean air indoor act like this bill eliminates that with the the swipe of a pen and i was like man that's brilliant copying that for washington state i love it yeah does washington state allow indoor consumption Absolutely not. It's a felony. It's the only place that has a class C felony on consumption and maintaining and operating a cannabis lounge. It's the strictest rules, I think, in the country for that. Yeah, there are how many bars in Washington State? Like how many? About as many as Starbucks? A lot. 
Yeah, hundreds, thousands probably. Uh, not one place, and it's a felony. I remember visiting, and, and I can't wait to visit again. Hopefully this year, but this year is quickly burning through. We'll see. Um, but I think it was like 16 or, or maybe 19. You'd have a bus, and people will go inside and smoke on the bus. Like, what What was that? Was that your loophole? Well, yeah, for events. And those don't really exist anymore. One of them went to Florida. Um, one of them stopped doing it. Um, one of them went to another industry. So they, they don't, none of those, oh yeah. And another one just quit altogether. So yeah, none of them are around anymore. Fucked up. Yeah, well, there's nothing in this whole like Northwest, even Oregon, there's nothing going on in Oregon um at all very little going in bc uh, british columbia as well so the whole northwest is is lame um california is still popping up it's it's weird so yeah there's not a lot in the, in the west right now to go to in terms of events hemp fest unfortunately is is out for the count um it's, it's weird hmm. well uh maybe that'll be the future of the industry there just won't be one there'll be one but nobody will care Nobody. They don't. Miggy just went to an event called, um, oh my God, I don't remember. So um, it was a concert in Renton. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, it was a $100 ticket though. They were giving away a Corvette and um, there was, there was rappers and, and stars and stuff there. But still, it's it's not going to draw the same kind of crowd that a 100,000 Hemp Fest three day event used to. Well, that was a protestable that was done as a nonprofit. And so like certain ventures uh, will fail. And then like, especially over time, especially if there's not cohesion capital and like um, a succession plan. This is one of the reasons why if you want your company to like last. A corporation makes a lot of sense because then the founder cannot be the president or the CEO and, and be like, OK, you run this shit, motherfucker. And then you know, allow them to kind of back up a little bit. But, um, you know, uh, that was not how they ran it. And then also it just, you know, I don't know how relevant it, it stayed, you know. And then they were getting, they were fucked with by Expedia as well, you know. So it sucks. But, um, yeah, the cannabis events, we don't really have them here in Illinois. We do have a few lounges and it's the same thing. They just make an exception to the Smoke Free Act or they uh, include tobacco retailers as well. Um, they're fine, like consumption lounge is great. They still don't make all that much money. I mean, we'll see if Vegas is, those are gonna be rolling out here uh, probably in the 24. And if the consumption lounge business model can't make it in Vegas, you'll know. Right, yeah, they got wiped out, that's for sure. In Colorado, they got in uh, Oregon, they all got wiped out during during COVID. So I think they're still up in, in Vancouver, but I haven't been up there since uh, January 2020. So right. I, yeah. And I haven't been to Canada since 1994. Let's uh, play some Name That Strip. Babnin, <laughs> there's a strain that you can name. This one is popular. Um, seen it before reportedly like that's the thing when i haven't grown the the plant i don't necessarily and then even then like i didn't breed it so i don't know like what his parents were and so like you still are taking a lot on trust but um it's a popular one it's an indica what do you think about that nugget josh 
Are you an indica guy? No, um, it shuts me up. I can't um, think, function, or or do anything, which is great for nighttime. Um, yeah. But like, yeah, very rarely, except at night, uh, will I dive into a an indica. But it looks all right. It's got some some orange hairs in there that look like they might be talking to me. Well, it's a hybrid. I shouldn't have said that it was completely indica. There is one of its parents is OG Kush. So there is an indica parent out there, but then its other parent is strawberry diesel. And so the strawberry diesel is usually more of a, you know, daytime cerebral strain. So it's a hybrid. Yeah, diesels aren't bad depending on who grows it. Um, not too shabby. Like Kush is good for for that body high at night. Might be a good Kush. Master Kush it is not. Uh, this one has to do with comic books. So, if you understand comic books, you will probably get that. No, it's just not. Jerry Seinfeld is not a comic book. He is a comic. But um, if you're into comic books, the, this strain is named after a comic book character. That's that's also a good hint. You know, parents are OG Kush and Strawberry Diesel, bred by Dark Horse Genetics. And as Chad is watching, we'll probably get that. And I, I like how somebody goes Batman. I'm like, no, sorry. Uh, but Bruce Banner, William Taylor, that is it. Ding, ding, ding. We have a wiener. Um, and so I, we don't really mail out things for winners anymore we should probably start doing that again but yeah that is uh that's bruce banner and according to leafly it is there i'm gonna get rid of that over there but uh bruce banner is known as the alter ego the comic book character the incredible hulk and it's potent 21 percent average expect the effects to be strong come on quickly and be in a euphoric and creative high some body relaxation best enjoyed during the daytime they say Originally bred by Dark Horse Genetics, cross of OG Kush and Strawberry Diesel. It does have a diesel aroma, and its dominant terpene is myrcene. Ooh, that's munchies. You might you might uh, you might go crazy or rip apart your your fridge and oh. turn into the Hulk with myrcene. Be careful. Oh, nice. Well, you know they did say it's a daytime strain. <laughs> yeah, you might turn into a gremlin. Get really crazy. Awesome. And then uh, we do have some pot stock news. And so oh boy. There's, there's pot stock news, but let's do, we have some cannabis study news first. And these are the good stories. Normal reports the good stories. Other people, they report crap and they report stuff that's intended to scare. Normal and report stuff that's intended to like, you know, educate and also make sure that you're not going to put up the lies. Study. Cannabis exposure not associated with increased psychosis risk among high school, I'm, I'm sorry, among high risk youth. And so a team of researchers from Hofstra University and Stanford Safety School assessed relationships between cannabis use and health outcomes in a cohort of adolescent children at clinical high risk for psychosis study uh, tracked the participants for two years and also included a two year follow up. And there was not associated with any increased psychosis transition, did not worsen clinical systems, functional levels, or overall neurocognition. So this there is a go. theory that if you smoke really high THC, you might get bipolar or something. You might skits out. That's right. It will make you nuts. And so that is that old chestnut that you hear as to like, you know, and you'll like, wait, 
because if you try to legalize it in your state, and now that it's going to be Schedule Three, you should look at you, Indiana. Um, people, and those people will typically be Republicans, will say shit like that. That it makes you insane. That increases a psychosis risk. This is bad for children. It's bad for safety. And then party line vote. And that just happened in May in Minnesota. And now people from Minnesota call us, yeah. and it's nice. And so, like the the Minnesotans will win there eventually. Well, that's why we should lower the alcohol limit to 12 years old because drinking poison is just so much more better for you uh, than that that natural plant. I mean, get rid of right. that. And give right. them, give the kids alcohol. Jeez, what are we doing? Seriously. Right. And then uh, let's encourage that. Let's make sure that we name the bleachers at Wrigley Field the Budweiser bleachers. Hey, uh, can we use Clydesdale horses at our advertisements for, for weed? No. What about dogs? Are we allowed to use dogs? Dogs appeal to children also no. Damn it. You know, why can't we get the love and admiration and respect that alcohol, which is a carcinogen, you know, it, it can it can also kill you. It can poison your liver, but you know, so can so can fructose. Uh, Careful, of those crazy shapes might be addictive. You know, to children if it's too bright in colors, but don't do black and white because that might be, you know, attracting kids too. So just yeah. maybe don't do anything. That's the same. Okay, but then you can walk down the cereal aisle, and the cereal <laughs> uh, people, and by people I mean, it's a cartoon character on the cereal box. The cereal tastes like candy. It has a whole bunch of added sugar in it, which is just also hitting the liver so that they can digest that stuff and making them fatter. Um, they draw the pictures in the cereal boxes to be looking down. And so like the eyes would catch a toddler walking through the aisle because they're looking down, which is creepy. But, um, I, I, you know, you're trying to increase sales. You're not trying to and you're exploiting children to increase the sales. That's fine. Because it's not weed, I guess, right? Yeah. For all you conspiracy theorists, check out Edward Bernays. He is the nephew of Sigmund Freud, who got um, us to eat the American breakfast we do. Also got females to smoke cigarettes and has manipulated Americans forever. And you probably didn't even know it. Check him out. Edward Bernays. Fascinating rabbit hole. Edward Bernays, everybody. We'll have a quiz on that next week. And so uh, also, we do have some pot stocks because... They they actually they had a they had an amazing week last week. My God, uh, down hot stocks. Where are they this this week? Uh, four five. No wait. Time to get high on three hot stocks or three catalysts. This is how they performed or relative to the S and P. Uh, the pot stocks are down about eighty percent. The S and P is up about twenty. Uh, and then do they actually have real charts? Story continues. No. There we go. Constellation Brands. Okay, this is just garbage. That's not just fair, though, because they have alcohol to hold them up. They're not strictly a cannabis company. So that's not entirely fair. They haven't been hammered nearly as bad as like a Tilray or one of those other garbage yeah. companies. Uh, Green Thumb Industries, not necessarily a garbage company. They've gone profitable and they probably will stay profitable, but they really popped hard. Uh, Tilray, that's the problem. Tilray's actually selling. Wasn't that the one that's offloading or, or purchasing? No. They did. They bought uh, for $83 million. They bought eight brands from Budweiser and they got a couple brands from Coors in order to do right. some non-alcoholic CBD, I'm assuming, or to differentiate because they suck at what they do. 
Right. And so they are trying to get into, and I mean, they don't even have links to the stocks. I'm telling you, uh, they are getting, they are trying to constellation brands themselves, which is interesting, but let's see green thumb for the week was up 40.7%. Not bad. Uh, and then if you do six months, it's actually up 10%. And if we do a whole year, it's down 25% for the year, but you can see it's like, boop, that, that right there, that was Wednesday. That was the uh, schedule three news. In theory, it could retest. And if it does trace that, that would be a pretty bullish indicator, but we'll see that. Uh, and then let's see here, who else is, you know, we could look at their stocks, Curleaf maybe. How much do you think they were up? Curleaf stock? 20% probably on average. Let's do the five days. Yeah, they're up 37%. For one year, they are down 40%. How about mm -hmm. uh, TrueLeaf? TrueLeaf stock or stock news, five days, 63%. Go, go to PS, PSDN, uh, the Poseidon ETF, which is you know a basket of currency. PSDN? PSDN, they had to shut down within two years of launching this exchange-traded fund or ETF. They had to shut down because no one was buying anything. So it's it's funny how these things pop with the news, but in reality, like this market goes nowhere. And so funds like uh, the Poseidon Asset Management Group, who are great, have to shut down because there's literally no volume or interest. The, the funniest thing is they shut down on the 25th of August. Uh -huh. A week later was the biggest news for pot stocks in 50 years. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of them are. They've told me on my podcast that nobody is anticipating financial news. They're not making any decisions based on it, um, any federal news at all. And then, bam, this happens. So, right when people uh, give up, I always say pendulum always swings at when when people expect it the least. Uh, so here you go. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. It was pretty crazy. All right, we have a couple more stories, but it's been about an hour, so. I don't like that one. That one was more, you know, it, it, it's just like that one from normal. And then, so you'll also see stuff like this. It just completely contradicts the one from normal. And then it's, it's Forbes. So like, good luck not getting hit with all the ads in the world. Marijuana smokers have higher levels of toxic metals and tests, according to a study. And it was a pretty shitty study. Like they had no confounders at all. Uh, and they were pretty much just ignoring that it was worse in um, people that smoked tobacco and that a lot of the people that were scoring high uh, were because they used both products. So it's it's Forbes, you know, and so they, they really don't have a lot of the science in there, but they're pushing the narrative. Uh, and so like, I bet you'll see a rejoinder probably on normal.org to this article or this study in about six months. I worry about that with hemp coming from places like China that typically have some heavy metal in their soil. Hemp off also absorbs a lot more than cannabis in terms of, of its um, uptake from the soil. Um, but cannabis, like, you know, the, what metals are you talking about? Because if you're talking about the normal nutrients that you're putting in there, um, then maybe so that's some of the nutrients. But if, if you flush it properly, then no. So I guess it kind of depends on where you're getting it, where you're talking about. I've never seen that um, having any issue. And in fact, if you look at the neural protectant, the patent that that the government has, patent number 6630507, neural it's protectant. 
it but is yeah. it protects you against heavy metals that cause dementia alzheimer's and things like that so um seems counter um intuitive with that article but yeah they got a narrative to push they do yeah but um it was the lead levels and cadmium levels is what they are reporting but uh, and it's somebody will dig into this forbes you know i can get an article published in forbes for 10 grand and one day i will because i want those backlinks and it'll make me see <laughs> person yeah and so um uh, you know I don't believe what is in Forbes because I know that you can buy your way into Forbes. Yeah. Yes, All right, sir. man. Where can people find you? And, you know, thanks for hanging out and talking about the news. You know, is there anything going on in, in your world that the, the audience needs to needs to hear? I'm getting ready to um, get some stuff down in Vegas. If anybody's down there, I want to get a female perspective on the cannabis industry in Vegas. So that's going to be one of my main focuses at MJ BizCon, the world's largest cannabis conferences, November 27th through December 1st. I will be in Las Vegas trying to get out of the Seattle rain. I'm trying to drag Miggy with me. We'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll take him like because I'll be there too. And so like uh, the, can the company, one of the companies, he won the license you know, for us. You know, and so like he, uh, we'll we'll have him there too because we gotta. Hopefully, we found at least most of our investment by then. But you never know, and then you'll never find investment at MJ Biz. There's just too many dang people. It's a great place to network and, and get started. So I'm uh, looking to do some interviews down there. Fit the final season, the Talking Hedge, and then uh, we'll see where it goes. Just gonna focus on the investment sector for 2024 and beyond. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that investment sector—that's where the money is, and so. Uh, Cannabis is broke, man. They are broke. And I don't really want to have a, a podcast talking about negative stuff all the time. And it's going to be a turnaround industry. People are getting into holes. They need people to dig them out of. And those right. stories seem to be coming all the time. And I'm, it's it's getting boring for me. Um, so I might as well just focus on, on my hedge fund and investing and some other stuff. Yeah, because the industry is not that big. Uh, I think it's going to... I think... It, uh, Okay, so the dot-com boom and the bust. And so that happened in cannabis. And like 21 was the boom, and then it busted. And so just like 1999 was the boom for the dot-coms, it busted pretty hard. But then we had movement uh, this week. So I think it's going to start booming again. Uh, but, you know, just like how Amazon kind of weathered the storm, Facebook didn't exist during the 99, AOL went away, um, MySpace didn't make it out, you know, like, there will be new players that are going to come in and they'll be benefited just from timing. Yeah, timing is everything, man. And, and speaking of, let me pimp uh, Tor Alerts. If you guys want to be notified when to buy, when to sell pot stocks, download Tor Alerts on iOS or Android for crypto or stocks. Tor Alerts will uh, alert you when to buy, when to sell pot stocks. Awesome. Hey, everybody, that's our show. If you need anything, you can find me over at CannabisIndustryLawyer.com or CollateralBase.com. And then, of course, here on Cannabis Legalization News, also on Facebook. It's Facebook.com backslash free THC. Hopefully, the change in federal policy means you can find that page more easily now. And it won't ask you if you need drug rehabilitation if you have <laughs> access. Yep. All right. Thanks, guys. It was wonderful hanging out. And, uh, you know, we have more scripted stuff coming. So uh, tune in. And we'll see you when it's 420 somewhere.